So as the Lord was giving me this message, I felt, uh, and I wanted to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ this morning. I, as I was praying, the Lord kept impressing upon me to go in this one direction, which I'm not comfortable with, but I'm going to listen to what he says. And that is to tell you my story. It is a story. There's some humor in it. There's, some, there's a lot of seriousness in it. But over 50 years ago, um, there was a period of time uh, in five weeks that changed my life. And I can tell you the dates. They were from May 14th to June 11th, 1967. Um, I was born and raised in a branch of this church in western Pennsylvania, a little mill town called Glassport, Pennsylvania. And it was funny because when I would say to people, I'm from Glassport, even though I didn't live in Glassport, that's the bigger of the two towns between the one I lived in and that one. They'd say, oh, Glassburg, New Jersey. I'd say, no, Glassport, Pennsylvania. Never heard of it. The little river town, literally, it's on the river, and then three streets up, you're going up the hill, is the church. And Glassport at that time was known for a couple things. In the early church, it was a hub of where people came out of and went other places. Um, many of the branches that formed in the uh, state of Michigan, where I now partially reside, came from Glassport. And the other thing that Glassport was known for at the time was they were passing the gospel on to the next generation. Now, you know what that means, right? That means like we did here in Mesa the last couple years, We've seen many of our young people who've been coming to church since they were kids say, I accept Jesus Christ as my savior. I wanna do this. That's what was happening in Glassport at the time. And I'll, I'll term this story, <laughs> two Nicolos, two Nolfies, and a Staley, okay? If you know the branch of Glassport and Sister Lydia's from Glassport, Sister Teresa's from Glassport, Brother Tom and Brother Paul Liberto are from Glassport. Brother Ike Smith was from Glassport. There's a, a lot of people here from Glassport. Mary and Cindy went to Sunday school in Glassport. Well, in this five-week period, uh, there, were, there were two notable families in the branch, the Nicolos, which many of you know them today, and the Nolfies. And back then, there were big families. In my family, there were four boys, and I was number three. In each of these two families, there were five children, and many of the kids had biblical names or Book of Mormon names. For instance, the Nolfi family was Timothy, Alma, David, Jesse, and Jared. Sound familiar? Here's the odd thing. Alma and Jesse were girls. So Alma, the, the, the daughter, was named after her father, whose name was Alma. And I was close to Alma and Jesse. And then in the Niccolo family, there was Robert Jr., who you know as Bobby Niccolo today. Um, Bonnie, Robin, they had a, a, a sibling, Faith Ann, who died as a, as a newborn infant, and then Daniel. So there were these big families. I was close to Bonnie and Robin in that family. So what started happening was and just to give you an idea of the time reference this was in, in, in history, I was not playing the piano in church yet. 
I could not get my nerve up to go play the piano in front of anybody. That's how long ago this was. And we were only using one book. It's the Green Saints Hymnal. There were no other books. I know you're saying, oh my gosh, this is like BC. <laughs> we had a very elderly pianist, uh, God bless her, Sister Ann Pate, and she'd sometimes struggle with, oh, I'll just play one note because I can't do the rest of it. And there was an older brother who sang a solo on every hymn. Now that doesn't mean that he sang solos. It means that if somebody called a hymn, you could only hear him because he was singing a solo. I won't tell you his name because that's not a compliment. But that, that was church for me. That was my frame of reference. That's what I experienced Sunday after Sunday. And like Mesa, Glassport had all-star hymns. What's our all-star hymn? Anybody? Oh, to me, this is, this is Mesa Branch. Because he lives. When we sing that, we rock the place. That is, that's when the spirit comes in here, as far as I'm concerned. Well, their songs were alone. How can I ever sufficiently praise him? 142. Make me a blessing. 289. Oh God, our church. 177. You know these. And when we really felt strong, 155, Awakening Chorus. And I mean the building roof would go like this. There was one all-star hymn that they used to call that I hated. It was, I believe, 171, Living for Jesus. Because when they get to that chorus, Oh Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. I used to, I was so miserable. I, I could not sing because I felt like I'd be hypocritical. For thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master. My heart shall be your throne. My life I give. Henceforth I'll live a life for you alone. I could not sing it. I hated it. To this day, I struggle with the tune. I'm not wild about it. But when they would call that, I would just, I would cringe. And they called it a lot. I love to sing, but I couldn't sing that song. Meanwhile, at this time, a revelation was given to the ministry in our branch. And we have um, Alma Nolfi as a minister and a brother Valentino who was from Spain, I think. Was that right? He's from Spain. He had a very thick accent. And they were given a dream, a revelation to the branch that they accepted as a priesthood. And it was no secret that a revelation had been given to the priesthood of the branch, that five babies had been presented to the priesthood. And they were told to nurture these five babies. It was what... The region knew, oh, there was a wonderful revelation in Glassport. Well, on May the 14th, we're sitting in church, and I'm sitting with my two friends, my four friends, and we're, you know, goofing around, trading watches and rings and laughing and giggling, much like some of us do today. I didn't look at that side of the room. No, I didn't. <laughs> Bunch of young people over here who I love very much. And... Um, I don't know who was preaching. I think it was Brother Alma. And you could see the Spirit of God fell on him. It was like the roof opened and fire was coming down. 
And, he, and I, I thought, what, what's going on here? And I kept trying to get distracted because I didn't want to feel anything. And my friend Alma, a senior in high school, prom queen, has everything going for her. She looks like she's about to explode. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And I see her go like this to her seat. And I thought, what? And I'm just watching her. And it was like a volcano. And finally, she erupted. She got up and she said, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I was in shock. She sat down. I said, do you know what you just did? I was not kidding. I was serious. I said, do you know what you just did? She said, I'll tell you in a minute. And they sang a song. And they asked her to, to express herself. Sorry. And she expressed herself. And she said, while I was sitting here, I said, the Lord started to touch me. And I said, I can't do this. And her father, who was preaching, said, and if there's a voice in your head that says, you can't do this, that's the enemy of your soul. Rebuke him. And she thought, well, what would my friends think if I did this? And the minister said, and if you're wondering, what will my friends think if I do this? Rebuke that spirit. And everything, finally she said, well, the only way I'm getting off of this seat is if he rips me out of my chair. And her father says, and if you're waiting for somebody to rip you out of your chair, that's the Lord calling me. She jumped up and said, I give my life to Jesus Christ today. And that was the snowball. The next week, her brother Timothy and Bonnie Metzler, who many of you know from Columbus, Ohio, the third week, Robin Burns, who many of you know. And now the buzz in the branches. wonder who the fifth baby is. That's four. And I wouldn't even hear of it. I thought that was, that was craziness, that whole baby thing. And I have to tell you, I wanted it, but I didn't want it. I liked the feeling I felt when I felt the Spirit of God, but I didn't want to call it. I had all my reasons. I was convinced that I was feeling the Spirit, but it wasn't a calling. You know, we've made this thing calling, something that it isn't. I knew that if I surrendered, I'd be giving up control of my life, and I want to be in control. Even today, I want to be in control. Then I thought, well, could I even do this? Could I walk the walk that these brothers and sisters, Brother Valentino, one time, was waiting for a ride to church, and it was snowing. And back then, they had two feet of snow, and it was coming down like crazy. Nobody canceled a meeting. And Brother Valentino said, I wonder if my ride's going to come. And sure enough, he heard the car, and he went out. His apartment was right at the curb. He went out to the curb, got in the car, drove to the church, the the person let him off right at church, and when he got out, the man said something to him that revealed to him that he was not his driver. He was an angel sent to pick him up, to bring him to church. The hair on my arms are going up. Could I be Brother Valentino? 
Is it my time? Oh, that's, that's such a cop-out. Is it my time to serve God? You know when your time was determined? The day he went to the cross. He said, I, I do this for all of you. As soon as you open your heart and say, I will do this. Am I worthy? Oh, I beat myself up something terribly. Does he want me? So then I, I started to play the sign game. Lord, give me a sign. Brian, could you? Oh, never mind. I have them here. Give me a sign, Lord. So I'd look at, is the sun shining in the window a certain way? No, that's not. I was looking for all these things. You've been there, I'm sure. What I didn't know was that going into the water was just the beginning. You know, we make a big deal out of baptism, and we should. It's a big deal. But it's really just the beginning. I had always envisioned my baptism. Okay, so my grandfather's going to baptize me. They're going to sing, Shall We Gather at the River? Because I love, I get the chills when they sing that at the water. Uh, I want them to cut the ice. You've seen that back east? Uh, Sister Karen Progar, they cut 14 inches of ice. It looks like a grave. And they just dunked her in there and brought her back out. I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, um, and I wanted my family there. I didn't realize that committing my life to Christ was going to be a daily thing, not a one-time thing. I didn't realize that at that time, the Lord and the enemy were in a war for my soul. Because I knew what I had to do. I was struggling with doing it. And the Lord was calling me to him. That's the calling part, which he's been doing before he came. And I'll get to that in a minute in the Book of Mormon. He's been calling people to him. Before he came, he's been, before he walked on earth, he's been doing that. And I didn't realize that the struggle was him calling me and the enemy trying to talk me out of it. I didn't realize what the Holy Spirit could do in my life. Me. Young, lanky, so mixed up. I got in more trouble with my mouth than you can ever imagine. Saying the wrong thing. Being somebody that I wanted to impress people by. I didn't realize the breadth and the depth of his love for me. I had no clue. I didn't know how much he valued my life. Do you realize what the value of your life is if somebody gave their life for you? I hadn't personalized that, that whole sacrifice on the cross. Oh, I said he died, and I believed that, and I'd sing it in church, but it, it didn't mean anything to me personally. I had not claimed it. I had not claimed his victory as my victory. We used to sing this song, if I'd be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. That's his words, Jesus Christ. Well, what is the lifting up that he's talking about? Well, in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, the eighth verse, there's a, there's a piece of scripture there that says that there's no new thing under the earth. There's nothing new for hearing. There, this is not new, what I'm experiencing. In fact, I'll prove it to you in the Book of Mormon. I said we'd get to this. 
Enos, the first chapter, two through eight, and I'm gonna summarize it. This is 400, 500 years before Christ. Enos is having the same struggle that Ken Staley is having. He's 400 years before Christ. I'm 1,967 years after him. And it says that Enos tells about his struggle and how he uh, is struggling to have his sins forgiven. Now, at my age, I was so young, and I didn't feel like the struggle was I had been so bad that could I have my sins forgiven. My struggle was, could I do this going forward? Enos talks about the joy of the saints. Now, do you know what the joy of the saints are? If you've ever felt the Spirit of God, even from being a little child, you were somewhere, somebody's singing, somebody's preaching, somebody's testifying, you feel your heart flutter, that's the joy of the saints. That's the Spirit of God. What else do we have to give anybody, to give our family, to give the world? Enos thought of those times that he had thought, felt that way, and it says that he hungered for it, and he prayed all day and all night that his sins would be forgiven because he wanted that for himself. And in the 5th, 6th, and 7th verses, Enos' sins are forgiven. He feels a difference, and he's puzzled. He says to the Lord, how is this done? How is it that my sins are forgiven? All of a sudden, my slate is wiped clean. I'm, I'm clean before you. How is this done? And in the 8th verse, the Lord says, because of thy faith in Christ, whom you've never before seen or heard. That's the key, because of faith. So that's the lesson. If you want to self-surrender, if you want to give it all, if you want to commit to Christ, you have to have faith. And your faith has to be in Christ. And what you need to do, as Alma did, that day sitting next to me in church. She had a new mindset. Instead of, I can't do this, her mindset was, I will do this. In spite of everything that I'm reasoning in my head, I will do this. And the scripture that, that so eloquently portrays my message today is Romans 2, 12, 1, 2, and 3. And you've heard this many times before. Paul is speaking to the Romans. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You've heard this. And be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is that renewing of the mind? Not, I can't do this. I will do this. Which is that perfect and acceptable will of God. For I say through the grace unto you, not to think, not for any man to think of himself more than he ought to think. Do you realize that when we're saying no to the Lord, we're saying, I'm too good for you. Really? I, I'm too good for what you're asking me to do. I want to preserve my life. I want to do this. I want to do that. But for every man to think soberly according to the faith that God has dealt to him. Back to Glassport. Ready? We're going to travel.
Week four came and there were no baptisms and I felt no spirit, nothing. So the panic set in. Is, did I miss my time, my crazy thinking? What, what, what did I do? And on the fifth Sunday, I, I begged the Lord. I said, if you just let me feel something, I, I, I'll cave. Just let me feel something. I went through the whole day. The, the meeting was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I did not cave. We had two meetings back then, 10.30 to noon and 2 to 4. Kids, how would you like to be in church till 4 o'clock every Sunday? 2 to 4. And the afternoon meeting was filled with the Spirit of God. Brother, Karate, uh, Brother Biscotti, one of our apostles, uh, was preaching, and I couldn't understand a word he was saying because he was speaking in broken English. My heart was pounding like crazy. Five minutes to four. Guess what song they call? Living for Jesus. I, I thought, oh, 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 no. Oh, oh, I can't even hear these words. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. For thine and thine atonement, you gave yourself for me. I own no other master. My heart is your throne. Henceforth, I'll live a life for you alone. I made it through the song. I don't know how. The brother gets up to give the closing announcements. I'm sitting right where Sister Don is sitting. And I burst, wailing, like, ah, ah, ah. And the minister says, Ken, did you want to say something? To tell you about the struggle? I'm shaking my head no. I stood up, I said, I want to give my life to Christ. It's a struggle, but you can do it. Why do I share this? Why did I tell you about Alma? Why did I tell you about Enos? Why did I tell you about me? Because I want you to know what his love for you is really like. I want you to know that he's pleading you today. Serve me. I'll be there through your challenges, through college, through sports, through marriage, through child rearing, through middle age, through being elderly. I'll be there. Just He's pleading you. Open your heart. Say, I will do this. He wants you to say as the hymn says, Lord, please have your way in me. Despite your age, despite your background, despite your circumstances. And this, you might term this a baptism sermon, but it isn't. It's a sermon for everyone. I was baptized 50 some years ago, but every day I have to say to him, Lord, have your way in my life. I've messed this up again. Lord, have your way in my life. I'm full of anger over this situation, and I don't know what to do with it. Lord, please have, please have your way in my life. I'm so confused right now. His desire is that your body is given to him as a living sacrifice. Why does he desire that for you? Because he knows that at some point you're going to leave this life. 
fact. And I'm not trying to instill fear. That's the reasonable service. It's only reasonable to think this is going to end one day. And what are you going to do? What's in your future? Well, let me tell you, when you say, I will do this, he's in your future from that second through eternity. He takes you through life. He blesses your life. You're going to have problems. You're going to have rough spots. He's there for you. I can't tell you what a comfort that has been in my life. But I have to tell you, at 67 almost years old, I'm starting to look for the... I don't want to die. I just want to, I just want to experience the transition. When Brother Phil closed his eyes recently, in an instant, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. 90, what, six years of service. Imagine... Why am I pressing you so hard today to surrender, regardless of your circumstances? And I mean, whether you're unbaptized, baptized, inactive, undutiful, suspended, I don't really care. And neither does he. He wants your surrender. That's all he wants. He wants you back. He wants you home. He wants you to come home. He, he's, he's got a storehouse of blessings that he wants you to experience, like that hymn that Brother Tim shared with us last week. He wants you to know what it's like to be safe. You know, I've been with James Tell and Leo for four days now. It's been heaven. They're constantly, Dad, I'm sorry he's screaming. I don't care. Let him scream. I just love him. I love what I'm experiencing. That's the joy of life that he brings to you, the things that he's, he uncovers for you that you don't even think about otherwise, that are blessings. So, like that scripture says, don't conform. That's the, I can't do this, but transform. I will do this. Let your life honor him and trust him. Trust him that he'll keep you. You know, my friend Alma's been serving the Lord now almost 60 years. She's had cancer. Uh, she's been ill for many years. When I see her, I said, Alma, how are you doing? Oh, fabulous, Ken. Because of the Lord. Let all that you want to live for be to live for him. Be safe in him. Because safe is knowing the Lord and knowing you're living a life that pleases him. And the Lord impressed on me to say this this morning, and I really struggle with it because it's so unorthodox for us. You know, there are churches that have what's called an altar call. If you want prayer, come up to the altar. I, I, I have to say this today. If you're tired of struggling, if you're tired of that fight, Surrender. Give your life to Jesus Christ. If you're not here today, if you're on the virtual meeting, text somebody. Tell them I'm ready. I'm ready to be baptized. I'm ready to be reinstated. I'm ready to 
to, I'm just weak and, 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 and I'm dutiful, but I'm weak and I need prayer. I need the brothers to pray for me over the phone or in person. The Lord is calling today. I struggled with this message so much this week, and I realized he was talking to me the whole time. Ken, surrender. I was telling Sister Elena before the service, everybody's saying, are you retired or aren't you retired? I, I did retire, and then I finished working May 22nd. And uh, I've been looking forward to that for three years now. I don't know what to do with it. I, I'm, I'm just going crazy. I'm climbing the walls. Jared said, you know, for both of our sakes, you need to find something to do and get out of here. <laughs> I had three bank interviews lined up. Every one of them fell away. COVID, this, we're not meeting with people, we're not this, we're not that. I said, okay, Lord, I had this all planned. Now I'm just going to render. Out of nowhere, I get a call. Hey, don't you like to uh, do things in interior design? I said, yeah, I, I've decorated a couple models back east, and I've done a couple homes out here. We'd like to talk to you about a career in that. I said, Lord, are you serious? That would be like doing something fun. <laughs> you see what happens when you give your life to him? He takes the wheel. May God bless you. I've gone too long today. Uh, Brother Micah, if you could play. Brother Tim, when you played that song last week, and you quit after three stanzas, I almost came out of my seat. I wanted to hear the whole song. Brother Micah, do you have that? May God bless you all. I love you. We hope to be back right after Thanksgiving, spend the next six months here. Uh, it's, it's been good. How I'm going to work and live in two places, I have no idea, but God knows. Love you all. A beautiful song and beautiful message this morning. And, and there are a couple of highlights of um, the sermon I just wanted to go over. And I agree with Brother Ken in the fact that every day of our lives we fight against the Lord. We have it in our minds that this is the way I want it and this is the way it needs to be for me to serve you, God. And as Brother Ken pointed out, I want them to cut out that ice and I want to be dunked in the ice-cold water. It was 80 degrees when he was baptized. For those of you who've been to our baptisms, we always sing, we shall gather at the river. So in Brother Ken's mind, that was, you know, the shining light's going to come down, we're going to sing it. They didn't sing it that day. He wanted his entire family to be there. He wanted my great-grandfather to baptize him. Well, he was sick that day, and someone else did. And no family members were there. Was it any less blessed? You see, we try to dictate our lives. We try to dictate our service. The message today is if we just surrender to him, he will bless us in ways more incredible than we can imagine. I think about every milestone of my life in ways that it had to be. Lord, this is how I want to be baptized. Lord, this is how our wedding day is supposed to go. And you know, to give you a wonderful example, ask us what June 6th is celebrated for in our, in our home. That's not our wedding day. But we remember it vividly for a reason. So there are so many things in and out of our lives that we want 
to just handpick and say, if I want it to be perfect, it has to be this way. God has something so perfect for you. His way is perfection. And his way is good enough for us today, as that song beautifully says. So we're going to close our preaching service today. We're going to close in prayer. Uh, For those of you worshiping at home, um, we look forward to seeing you next week, whether it's in person or virtual, um, and then we'll go into our anointings uh, portion of the service. Uh, Brother Pete, would you mind closing us, please?